Chapter Two of Entrapped by Alice Mangold Deal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Slee, formerly nurse to Zoe's mother, the squire's young sister, had clung to the family she had served and the house where her mistress had died, leaving the baby Zoe to her charge. When her beloved Miss Zoe had run away with the painter gentleman, as she called Stephen Blount, she mourned, but stayed on with the angered squire hoping that all would come right and miss zoe be forgiven and reinstated when her hopes remained unfulfilled and from a handsome imperious young man andrew quarles gradually changed into a misanthropic miserly old bachelor mary slee stayed on and endured as only certain rare natures with a gift of resignation can endure but when the son of andrew quarles's only love who had jilted him came to the door almost a beggar and the squire took him in and after some months of probation adopted him she thanked heaven and did all in her power to soften the succeeding penury which made the young man's dreary life a burden to him then when miss zoe's daughter suddenly sought refuge with her unkind stranger uncle and was allowed to stay she really rejoiced and secretly wove castles in the air of possible future relationships which might succeed in softening squire quarles's stony heart when andrew and zoe confessed their mutual affection to their uncle and adoptive father and his rage was unreasoning as it was alarming mrs slee was utterly miserable she did more than her utmost to make life less unendurable to the poor much abused girl she pampered the squire's failing appetite while lessening the sum total of her weekly accounts by adding money from her own little treasured hoard a mere pittance she contrived marvellous little dishes out of odds and ends in almost a miraculous fashion for both persecutor and persecuted telling herself it was all she could do to-night the little dinner she sent in to the lovers was quite dainty although a chef d'oeuvre of contrivance the cream soup was made out of chicken bone stock and milk the stewed ox tail was soup meat from the previous day she had literally stolen the late french beans from the vegetable garden before the gardener who was authorised to sell the produce and whose reckonings each month with his miserly employer were days of woe was up and about but as zoe and andrew sat one at the head the other at the side of the long dining-table they could not have told what or whether they ate they were on the rack in the throes of a great anguish against which their passionate eager impatient youth rebelled zoe's one thought was to say what she had to say while phoebe the stupid but evidently inquisitive was out of the room she intuitively felt that to soften her lover's righteous wrath against his unfeeling protector was impossible so she tried to find extenuating circumstances and told andrew of the visit that day of some stranger man who had not given his name yet by sending up a blank card with nemo upon it had obtained audience of the squire who seemed really ill though he would only acknowledge to a slight cold and forbade the summoning of the village practitioner what was he like asked andrew in one of the brief intervals of phoebe's absence to-night her master's adopted son and real niece seemed to fascinate that young woman she stood in the corner of the room watching them with goggle eyes and breathing hard as if staring were exhausting work what you did not see him i saw his back as he walked through the park returned zoe he looked military big broad it was raining but though he carried an umbrella he did not put it up andrew quarles bit his lip and frowned then he looked rather angrily at phoebe who came up to her young mistress until he heard her say will you please go up to the master miss 
when his frown relaxed and he turned to his love and nodding said go what can he want her for he asked himself as he told phoebe sharply to make haste and clear away and while the slow girl lumberingly removed the plates and dishes he alternately smoked and kicked the logs on the hearth has he had a spasmodic fit of remorse confound him it seemed a long time that his love was away he thought of her bitterly miserably but with longing yearning pitying of affection as he paced the old turkey carpet up and down up and down the ill-lighted room by jove if he harries and abuses her as he did me i shall come to gloat over the thought of his death and burial he gloomily mused ashes to ashes it will be vermin to vermin if he insults my darling as he insulted me he stopped short his cigarette fell from his fingers for zoe came in staggering rather than walking she was pale as a ghost her teeth chattered as she came up to him and laid an icy hand on his look here she said with a sob he made me take it the letter to ask messrs flowerdew and pearlby to send one of the firm down to receive instructions for a new will slee is to take it to the post and register it is that all you are troubled about he asked lightly with a mocking laugh what does it matter he has made a dozen different wills to my knowledge since it pleased him to annex me chain me to his car the juggernaut three years ago he will live to make a dozen more and revoke them all in turn till at last he will die intestate and you as next of kin will walk into everything he stepped forward to embrace her but she slid away and dropped into a chair looking ghastly her eyes seemed to have receded they looked dark with horror no no she incoherently said i must get over it over that awful interview first she stopped clasped her hands to her breast and gasped it would be a mockery love when i am clutched overwhelmed by hate please ring the bell i must tell poor slee to take this at once and do as he says for a few moments he gazed at her in moody surprise never yet and three months propinquity had given multitudinous opportunities had she refused an endearment it was her swift readiness to respond to his moods which was one of her potent charms to his refinedly sensuous nature as you please he coldly said ringing the bell and staring gloomily into the fire until phoebe answered it when he said ask mrs lee to come please and flung himself into the chair opposite that into which the white and trembling zoe had collapsed staring despondently at vacancy until the housekeeper came hurrying in when he rose with a slightly sneering smile my good slee mr quarles is sending for his lawyer to disinherit us all he has made miss zoe write and now he insists upon your posting the letter he began equably it is to be registered zoe give slee the letter the housekeeper was ageing she was a spare somewhat gaunt woman with grey hair and kindly eyes she paled as she listened oh dear me she exclaimed that's bad news sir don't you think we'd better wait till to-morrow the squire do change his mind i will say that for him and is it for us mr andrew to help on bad actions for if mr quarles is a-going to undo the little good he's done nothing won't count for him will it she was glancing askance at the letter which zoe held out to her with an attempt at a smile when there was a scuffling noise in the corridor outside they all turned startled and stared as a young woman in a lavender print gown and cap and apron rushed in he's dead the squire's dead oh my she gasped then she fell on the floor in hysterics writhing and gasping you go i'll see to her said zoe kneeling down by the struggling young woman 
Andrew gave her a horrified stare, then hurried out, followed by the frightened housekeeper, whose scared, oh lords, and oh mys, seemed to exasperate him as he sped upstairs, Mrs. Slee at his heels. The squire's door was open. A lamp on the table was flaring and smoking in the draught. By the hearth was a deep old armchair. In it an old man lay back, mouth and eyes open, dead. There was a startled expression on his thin, lined face, as if his soul had recoiled in terror in its last moment in his body. "'Good heavens!' cried the young man. The housekeeper shrieked, rushed to her master, chafed his hands, called him. Then, as she realised the fact that he was dead, became despairingly calm. "'Go for the doctor, Mr. Andrew, and don't let Miss Zoe come up. She ain't got no nerves for this sort of thing, poor lamb.' send up phoebe there's a dear young gentleman she's got her head screwed on right for a gal of her age and whatever you do make haste and don't come back without dr bird andrew gave her a wild stare as if she were talking gibberish then strode out down the back staircase to the offices where phoebe was singing daisy daisy give me your answer true as she stood at a dresser rubbing up the silver dispatched the girl upstairs then went to the stables the old man who was the only groom had gone home, so Andrew saddled the cob which Squire Quarles used to ride until a few weeks previously, and rode off through the park into the high road as hard as he could ride. The horse, stinted in corn, was all in a steaming sweat as he drew rein and flung himself off at the door of the doctor's little white house, where, seeing a light in the surgery, he went and unceremoniously opened the door, meeting an overpowering odour of drugs as he stepped across the threshold. The dad is in a fit. Pray come at once, he cried. Shall I tell your man to put in? I came on the cob. The apple-cheeked, white-haired old doctor was in the act of measuring some evil-smelling drug, a big glass bottle in one hand, a file in the other. He set them both down on the long counter. A fit, he returned. Not apoplexy, I think, more likely paralysis. I warned him what might happen if he persisted in starving himself months, years ago. Yes, tell Martin the black mare Sally, and I'll put on my coat and tell the wife not to expect me till she sees me. Come, tell me about it. In a few moments Andrew went out into the darkness. He knew the stable-yard, found Martin, the groom with the sporting proclivities, rubbing down the grey horse by the light of a stable-lantern, and helped him to harness the black mare to a gig which was still standing in the yard. "'Law, sir, you're cold, aren't you?' asked the man as Andrew, who had offered to light the carriage-lamps, shook as if with sudden ague. "'Got a drop of brandy for Mr. Andrew, sir? He ain't well,' he added sympathetically. "'The young squire,' as he was generally called, lent him sporting papers. He was, indeed, generally liked round about, as the doctor came hurrying up, muffled by his careful old spouse. But Andrew declined and, saying he had better trot back and tell them the doctor was coming, went off, mounted the cob, and rode homewards. I never felt an abject coward before, he told himself angrily as he trotted along the road. I am a fine one to tackle life, I am, if I am frightened to death of death. What is death but a mere incident? I suppose it was better not to say we thought he was dead. Remorse seemed to envelop to overwhelm him as he rode home feeling as if in a nightmare it was in the sighing wind in the darkness in the fitful gleams of a cold reproachful moon as it shone forth now and then from between the dark drifting clouds worse it gripped his very heart and clutched at all hope within his soul 
as the horse's hoofs clattered on the cobbles of the great empty stable-yard as he doggedly forced himself to unsaddle the animal and settle him in his stall as he went with laggard steps to join the women within the vast empty mansion a great sudden temptation assailed him to turn and fly and leave zoe to her fate that such a thought could come to him at such a crisis disgusted him so much that loathing for his own weakness lent him a spurious courage he entered the house by the kitchen door and went to the dining-room intending to fortify himself with a dram of the spirits for which he was in debt to the wine merchant in the nearest town broadhurst as he also was to the tailor haberdasher and other of his uncle's tradesmen who were always smilingly solicitous of orders professedly ready to give him any length of credit in their own opinion of his heirship he went straight blunderingly into the long dimly lit room and was making for the carved oak sideboard when he started zoe was crouching in the armchair by the dying fire her face drawn and ghastly her eyes black shining you are not upstairs he stammered feeling both frightened and shocked and forgetting what he had come there for he went to her darling are you ill he asked not because he felt his usual passion for her but from a vague fear of more death and misery if he failed in his devoirs and he would have knelt by her but she flung out her hand in a dramatic gesture of repulse i could not she thickly began struggling up and supporting herself by the mantelpiece i cannot why should i what good will looking at him do he is dead don't say so to the doctor you know i was not sure of it and if i had said it was all over he would not have hurried there he is i will go and take him upstairs you had better have a glass of wine you had indeed zoe do pull yourself together or they will think we have a bad conscience and i am sure we have borne and put up with more from the dad than any young people i ever heard of he strode off without another glance at her in his new remorseful despairing mood the sight of the object of his passion jarred and as he opened the hall door to the doctor and conducted him upstairs he fortified himself by dwelling on that fact he and zoe had endured if not patiently at least passively more than others would have borne of that he had not the shadow of a doubt he had run upstairs several shallow steps at a time to prevent his having to reply to awkward questions of the doctor's and hastening on he looked into the dead man's bedroom and satisfied himself that it was occupied alone by the corpse in the armchair and by the housekeeper who sat gazing at her dead master with a dry-eyed incredulous stare any change asked dr bird panting a little as he came up to the open door i don't think so said andrew as calmly as he could his knees were shaking under him as he watched the doctor who had started and stood still as he saw the corpse for his manner was peculiar to say the least of it without a word or even a nod to the housekeeper as she rose and prepared to speak he waved her aside with a peremptory gesture he went to the dead squire felt his brow his pulse listened to his heart and smelt at his mouth where is his glass he asked abruptly of mrs slee oh i mean the tumbler or wine-glass he last used i sent them down sir by phoebe an hour back said mrs slee brokenly i see he was dead from the very first doctor she was about to pull out her handkerchief and dab her eyes tears having come to her relief when she cried out oh for the amiable little doctor turned quite fiercely upon her then go down at once and bring them up d'ye hear he cried make haste bring up everything in the shape of a cup or glass that he has used i must know what he has taken mrs slee jumped up and ran off as if she had been galvanized 
Andrew walked up to the doctor. "'What do you mean, taken?' he asked peremptorily. Dr. Bird looked him full in the eyes, then he laid down the limp, dead hand. "'Your foster-father is dead, young man,' he somewhat roughly said, "'not only dead, but poisoned. That is what I mean.'" End of chapter 2